Father, I want to thank you so much that you are here by your spirit. Thank you for the words that have already been shared. Thank you for what you are saying to us about trusting in you, about your providence. But what it means to be obedient to you and faithful to you. So Lord, as we hear your word, as we think about the challenges that it raises, would you teach us what it means to fear you in the right sense of that? Trusting in you completely, even when we don't know what lies ahead. So Lord Jesus, would you continue to fill us with your spirit? Would you continue to help us to focus on Jesus? Focus on what he has done for us. And to recognize that we are part of this amazing story of salvation. That weaves through history. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, just to remind you where we've begun a series on telling God's story. Telling the story. And... The way that we're doing this is that we're actually, rather than reading the particular passage that we're thinking about, that those of us who are preaching are going to retell the story in our own words. And uh, because we all know that stories are powerful. And so I'd encourage you just to listen to my retelling of the story. And then once I've done that, then we can open the scriptures and, and think about it a little bit more. So the story I'm retelling this morning is from Genesis chapter 22, the story of Abraham and Isaac. So I just encourage you just to listen to the story. So Abraham and Isaac had been, Abraham and Sarah had been promised that they would be born a son, that Sarah would bear a son. And as they got older, they gave up hope of this ever happening. But God was faithful to his promise. And when Sarah was well beyond childbearing age, she did indeed conceive and she did bear a son, and they named him Isaac. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Abraham, God said, yes, here I am, replied Abraham. Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, the son whom you love, Isaac. I want you to take him to the land of Moriah and then to a mountain that I will show you. On that mountain, I want you to sacrifice your son to sacrifice him as a burnt offering. So the next morning, Abraham got up really early. He saddled his donkey. He called two of his disciples and Isaac, and then he chopped some wood that he was going to use for the sacrifice. So they set off towards the land of Moriah. And on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and he saw the mountain to which God was leading him. So he said to his servants, you stay here with the donkey, and Isaac and I are going to go a little farther. There we're going to worship, and then we will come straight back. So Abraham took the wood that he had prepared, and he placed it upon Isaac's shoulders. Abraham himself carried the flint to start the fire and the knife. And they set off towards the mountain that God had showed to Abraham. As they were going along, Isaac turned to his father and he said, Father, yes, here I am, 
glorified Abraham. We have the wood for the fire. We have the flint to start the fire. But where is the lamb for the sacrifice? Abraham said, the Lord will provide the lamb, my son. So they got to the place where God had showed them. And there Abraham made an altar. Upon the altar he placed the wood. He took it off Isaac's back, placed it on the altar. And then he bound Isaac. And he placed Isaac on the altar, on top of the wood. He then took the knife. And he was about to strike and to kill his son, his only son, Isaac. But at that moment, the angel of the Lord called from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, here I am, replied Abraham. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not harm him in any way. The Lord knows now that you truly fear him. That you truly fear him, that you have been obedient to him. Abraham looked up again. And he saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket nearby. So he took the ram, placed the ram upon the wood, and there he sacrificed the ram in place of Isaac, his son. And Abraham named that place Yahweh Yiri, which means the Lord will provide. The angel of the Lord called again, and he said to Abraham, the Lord knows that you fear him, that you have been obedient to him, and you have not withheld from him your only son, Isaac, the one whom you love. And because of this, you will be blessed, and all of your descendants will be blessed through you, and your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky, as numerous as the sand, grains of sand on the seashore. You will be blessed, and all your descendants will be blessed Because you have been obedient to me. So Abraham and Isaac went back to the servants. And then they returned to Beersheba. Where Abraham and his family lived for many years. If you want to open your Bibles to chapter 22 of Genesis. Then we're going to think about this story. I don't know about you, but this is, a, this is a shocking story. This is a shocking story. You know, we've been hearing this morning about us, uh, many people's sons and how we've prayed for them over the years. And yet here we have a story of a son who was given by God after many years of infertility, uh, a miraculous birth when Sarah was well beyond the age of childbirth. Do you remember that um, Isaac means he laughed? Because when Sarah overheard the angel of God telling Abraham that he, she was going to bear a son, she thought it was so ridiculous that she laughed. So here we have this son, this promised son Isaac, who Abraham and um, Sarah deeply loved. And yet here we have God asking Abraham to sacrifice this son, this, this son of promise. Did Abraham know that God wouldn't actually ask him to go through with the sacrifice? Why would God ask him to do such a thing? 
And it's okay, you know, when we read scripture, it's okay to ask these difficult questions and say, God, I, I, I just don't get this. I don't understand this. And that's what we're going to wrestle with a little bit this morning. We're not going to have all of the answers. In fact, we never can because ultimately God is sovereign and God is God. And God can do what God wants to do. And of course, God's plan and God's perspective is way, way bigger than ours. I love one of the things that's wonderful about preparing a story like this, reading scripture and telling the story. And it's, it's actually not as difficult as I thought it was going to be. I was quite terrified about doing this, I have to be honest with you. I've not got a fantastic memory and I thought, I'm not going to learn this. I'm sure Helen agrees with me. But actually, it's amazing how when you re- what, the way you do it is you read it out loud, you then sort of tell it yourself, and then you go back, oh yeah, I missed that bit out, and you read it again, tell it again. You do that a few times, and it's amazing how quickly you learn the story, and also how quickly you spot the patterns. And the Bible is an amazing book of stories, and of course, um, and of God's interaction with humankind, and how our story interweaves with God's story. And the amazing thing is, is that um, these stories are beautifully told. So it's always worth looking for repetition in the story. And a couple of things are repeated. And one of them is when Abraham looks up. And the first time he looks up is when he sees the place where God has led him to. The second time he looks up is when he sees the ram. The ram that God provided so that he didn't have to sacrifice Isaac. And isn't that so true for us? That when we have difficulties, when we are suffering, when we are tested, we can get so absorbed in that that it consumes us. And yet, what God calls us to do, what Abraham did, is to look up. To look up to God. To see the bigger picture. To see, look for his provision. To look for his provision. Because as we've heard testified to already, God does provide. So this is a story about testing. It's about Abraham's faith. And it's about God's provision. And although it's a shocking story, we are told from the beginning that it is a test. It is a test. And I don't know about you, but um, we all experience testing in different ways, don't we? And we're not talking here about sort of a test, you know, like an exam. Actually, I've got a funny story about a test. Um, there was someone who was asked, uh, who was sitting an ornithology exam, you know, about birds. And he thought he was going to be asked about, you know, all the different varieties of ducks and about their migration habits of swallows and all this sort of stuff. Turned over the question paper and it basically had lots of pictures of the feet of birds, lots of birds' feet. And the exam was basically to identify the birds from their feet. This student thought this was outrageous. So he said to his teacher, he said, this is ridiculous. You know, how on earth are we supposed to identify all these birds from their feet? He said, well, that's the test. It's the same for everybody. You've got to do it. And if you don't do it, you'll fail. The student said, this is ridiculous. Uh, no way, I'm not doing this. And he walked out. Um, so the examiner said, uh, actually, you, you, you failed. Sorry, I need to know your name. So he rolled his trousers up, took his shoes and socks off, said, if you want to know my name, look at my feet. Anyway, we're not talking about that sort of test. <laughs> so I couldn't resist that. It's quite good, isn't it? Um, I think we all know the sort of test I'm talking about here. We're talking about the test of broken relationships. We're talking about the test of illness. We're talking about the test of bereavement. 
We're talking about the test of insecurity, maybe in our jobs or in our financial situations. We're talking about the test of children who go astray. You can fill in the blanks. There's all sorts of tests. And I know for a fact right now that all of you, in some way, are going through some sort of testing. Sometimes those tests are self-inflicted. You know, like the time I borrowed a friend's bike and I was driving along non-handed, putting my gloves on, and I fell off and broke my shoulder. That was pretty self-inflicted, I think. But other tests just seem to come to us. Abraham didn't ask for this test. It happened. But what's really, really important is the way that Abraham reacted to this test. He didn't rail against God, although I guess privately I'm sure he did, asking God, why on earth did you do this? But he knew from his long experience that when God promised something, that God was faithful to his promise. And so Abraham knew that when God said, I want you to go towards Moriah and I'm going to show you the mountain, that God would indeed show him the mountain. And it's a bit like, you know, if you go walking in the hills and the mist comes down, you sometimes just have to trust your compass and you have to head in the right direction even though you can't see a thing. And it seems to be like that with with Abraham, that actually he doesn't know exactly where God is leading him. He doesn't know exactly what's going to happen, but he knows that God is a faithful God and he puts his trust in him. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have any doubts because, of course, we all have doubts. And actually doubting is part of faith. The other paradox here is that it seems to be that we grow in our Christian faith when we are tested and when we endure suffering. And I wish that wasn't the case. But when I've spoken to many of you, when I've spoken to other, other folk, uh, surveys that have been done actually about where the greatest spiritual formation happens in our Christian lives, survey after survey reveals that the times of testing are the times of the most growth. Because we have to be then utterly dependent upon God when we ourselves have no solution or answer. So the reality is is that we all face testing of different times. And actually, in some strands of Christianity, we downplay the role of of testing and of hardship because we think that somehow as Christians we should be above all of that. That somehow we should sort of float above the suffering of the world. And that, again, is the tension of the now and not yet of the kingdom. That, yes, we do believe that God heals. We do believe that God restores. But we also know that we live in a broken world, a fallen world, as Helen told us about last week, where actually there are times of suffering and there are times of testing. So the question is, is how we deal with being tested But also, what is the purpose of testing? We've thought about that a little bit already. But how do we deal with testing? Well, Abraham, how did he deal with it? He was obedient. He persevered. And he trusted in a God that he knew, knew best. You know, there was no logical reason why God would ask him to sacrifice this son of promise. You know, how on earth were all of Abraham's descendants to be blessed if his son was no longer around? 
It didn't make any logical sense. But yet Abraham knew that he could trust God. Abraham, of course, gets a lot wrong. He deceives people by telling people that Sarah is his sister at one point. All that sort of thing. But he perseveres. He keeps going. He's obedient and he trusts. As I've mentioned, you know, having faith doesn't mean not having doubts or questions. But it does mean being obedient. When um, Abraham uh, was, was spared from killing his son, do you remember uh, what God says to him, what the angel of the Lord says, is that because you fear God, because you fear God and not withhold your son, God knows that you have been obedient to him. And this fear we're talking about here is not fear in terms of anxiety or panic or dread, but it's actually a fear that means that we know that God is God and that we need to surrender to him, we need to submit to him, we need to be obedient to him. As I was praying and preparing for today, I was thinking about one of the ways in which some of us suffer is when relationships are broken. And in fact, I had a conversation with someone at the 9 o'clock service who is in that situation where there is a relationship within their family that is broken. And I'd really urge you to think about how you might be an agent of reconciliation in that situation, whether you think it's the other person who needs to apologize first or whatever it might be. Sometimes we just need to be the, be the person of peace and we need to make that first move to bring restoration. You know, one of the privileges of my job is I often get to be with people at the end of their life. And I remember very profoundly one situation a few years ago now where a mother and daughter had been estranged and they'd fallen out over something. I don't even know what it was. And it took the mother being on her deathbed for the daughter to seek reconciliation. I'd urge you, if any of you are in that situation, don't wait until that sort of extreme situation. Don't wait until that happens. So why are we tested? Why are we tested? Well, it's because God longs for our total submission. He longs for us to recognize that he is the Lord. He is the Lord of time and space. He is the Lord of the heavens and the, and the skies and the seas and everything in it. And actually, although we might endure suffering for a short time in this world, it is but a blip in eternity. And actually, we sometimes have to trust that God has the eternal perspective, that he knows why he is testing us. The other thing about testing, of course, is it reveals our true allegiance it reveals our true character. What really matters in our life. And when we're tested, everything else is stripped away. And we have the choice to either look down and become focused and inward looking on our problems or to look up, as I've mentioned, to look up and see the bigger picture, to allow God to teach us through the testing. Now, we haven't got time to talk about today whether God actually allows the testing, sends the testing. Here, clearly he did, in Abraham's case. But the issue is, is how we respond to the testing. And whether we actually ask the question, Lord, what are you wanting to teach me through this time of testing? And we also know that testing produces character and perseverance. So in James 1, we read, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind." Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work 
so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So Abraham was obedient, he persevered, and he trusted. His, the test revealed his character and his heart towards God. He was prepared to sacrifice even his son for the sake of being obedient to God. And we might ask the question, you know, what sort of God asks somebody to sacrifice their own son? Well, we've already sung about the answer. The answer is a God who indeed was prepared to sacrifice his son, his only son, the son whom he loved. And as we gather around the communion table a bit later on, we're going to remember that. And remember that that is our story. That we have been redeemed, we have been saved and restored and reconciled to God because of the sacrifice of Jesus. So, just as we think about how we might respond to this, think about how God might be testing you small ways, in big ways. Think about how God has tested you in the past and how maybe through that you have grown in character. You have grown in your ability to trust in God. And you know, we want St. Stephen's to be a place that's real, where we're able to be real about how we feel, about our very real fears and questions. But actually to do that in an environment of faith and of trust and obedience And that's why I talk so much about spiritual disciplines, whether that be prayer or silence, scripture reading, Sabbath keeping, retreats, whatever it might be, centering prayer, daily offices, all of these different ways because they're a way of helping us to look up and to reset our compass, to have a perspective of what God is saying in the situation rather than the world's perspective, as Will said, the world... You know, the world has a completely and utterly different perspective on life and on suffering. We're to avoid it at all costs. We're to spend our lives building a nice nest of comfort. But actually, that's not what we're called to do as Christians. We're called to embrace suffering as our Savior did and to um, be people who are obedient to our living God because we know that ultimately... He will provide. Ultimately, he will provide. And we've heard testimony of that again this morning as well. So if you're being tested, how are you going to respond? And you might need some help, you know, and later on we'll have the opportunity to, to receive prayer. You know, you, you need some help. I've needed help at many times when I've been tested. I need other people to walk alongside me, pilgrims on the journey together, and to ask God to fill us with his spirit again and again and again so that we can be Um, empowered and equipped to deal with the testing, but also to look for the provision. That's the other really important thing, that we look up, that we spend time with God. You know, so often we're running so fast, we never stop still long enough to allow God to provide because we're trying to provide the solution for ourselves. So I'd encourage you to stop, to look up, to allow God to provide for you. To reflect upon a God who was prepared to sacrifice his only son, his one and only son that he loved, in order that you and I might be reconciled to God and reconciled with one another. Let's pray.
Father, we struggle with this story of sacrifice. But yet we know it reveals something about what you, it's a foreshadowing of what you then did in sacrificing your son, your only son, so that we might have a, a living relationship with you. That we might be reconciled and restored and healed and forgiven. So Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in whatever ways they are being tested at this time, that you would help them to look up, to see your provision in the midst of suffering. And that within each of us, you would build character and perseverance so that we might be a truer reflection of Jesus. So Lord Jesus, help us to walk together both in times of joy and in times of suffering. That, Lord, you would fill us afresh with your spirit. And, Lord, those cries of our heart, those things we've been praying for for years and years and years, would you answer those prayers? Would you provide? Would you provide for those children who are still astray? Would you bring them home, Lord? For those relationships that are broken, would you bring restoration? For those who need healing, would you bring healing? But Lord, in the testing and in the suffering, would we know your provision and your presence? Teach us, Lord, what it means to be obedient, to surrender to you, to trust you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.